Hi there. My name is Olga Cortez, and I am here with San Diego Pride for the Spirit of Stonewall series. Today we are interviewing Casa Arcoiris. Um, welcome, Casa Arcoiris. Uh, again, my name is Olga Cortez. I do civic engagement here with Pride, and I want to welcome you to uh, our series tonight. Um, I'm going to be uh, asking some questions um, for Casa Arcoiris. Uh, Casa Arcoiris formally opened its shelter for LGBT migrants in February 2019 after several months of supporting and housing the large number of migrants arriving to Tijuana and mass during a migratory crisis that grabbed international headlines and completely inundated Tijuana's social services. A committed team of local activists and a strong network of binational organizations have been key to ensuring that Casa Arcoiris residents receive not only housing, but also psychological support, medical attention, social services, and comprehensive legal services from LGBT plus professionals. All right. Thank you very much. Hi there. Hello. All right. <laughs> Welcome everyone. Hi everyone. Thank you for being here. All right, so um, why don't, uh, thank you for being here. Why don't you introduce yourselves um, and then we can go through the questions that um, were submitted by the community. And if we have time at the end, folks can post some questions in the comments and we'll try to get to them. Are you uh, ready to get started? Sounds good. Nicolasa, yeah, do you want to go first? Sire, would you like to go first? Presenting sure. yourself. Okay, my name is Nicolasa Cordova. Um, well, everyone calls me Sire. And I've been working with Casar Coiris since the first day, I mean, since the caravana, LGBT caravana arrived. And I'm right now. Uh, in the position of director, but because of my health, I, I've been through some health issues. And I know, I, I think it's going to be easier for me in Spanish. It's okay. Sure. Absolutely. And um, Cristina is here to help with some translating as well. Gracias, Cristina. Claro, con mucho gusto. He estado un poco fuera de la casa los últimos meses. Desde febrero he tenido tres cirugías y he estado un poco fuera de la casa pero sigo participando en línea en todo lo que pueda y vengo a compartir también un poco de lo que fue el inicio y lo que esperamos para el proyecto futuro también. Well, Nicolás has been um, uh, out of house, her house due to health uh, issues. Uh, she's now uh, back at work and she will be uh, helping uh, and continue her activities. Thank you. My name is Chris. Um, I work in kind of administrative work at Casa Arcoiris and also in coordinating legal support um, for the mostly for the people who are seeking asylum in the United States, which is the majority of our residents. Um, and both Nicolasa and I have been involved in the organization since its beginning uh, in February 2019. Uh, Chris está uh, trabajando con Casa Arcoiris y también algunas otras personas con una necesidad. 
Este, was that uh, 20, 2018, you said? Sorry, 2019. 2019, desde el 2019. Este, ya uh, continuó siendo un miembro activo. Thank you. All right. So uh, why don't we jump into our questions, if that's all right with you. And um, so the first question is, um, if you want to just let us know a little bit more about your program, a little bit more of Casa Arcoiris and what you do. Uh, sí, pues Casa Arcoiris es un espacio que nos dedicamos a darle techo y alimentación, apoyo legal y médico, así como actividades ocupacionales a personas migrantes que vienen con la intención a la ciudad de Tijuana a pedir asilo a Estados Unidos. Eh, tenemos ya casi vamos a cumplir ya dos años. Los cumplimos para el próximo febrero. Si ¿Sí me escuchan bien, los veo como batalla, Luis. Sí. Y, y también este, nos estamos ahorita involucrando mucho en lo que es apoyar la salud mental. Este, por todo lo del COVID hay varios programas que se han visto lentos o detenidos, pero hemos eh, tenido programas incluso para la gente que está dentro de detención, hemos este, cuidado aspectos importantes como quienes reciben atención psicológica que sean de personas en las que se puedan ver reflejada, esto refiriéndome a si estamos hablando de personas de color, que su terapeuta sea una persona LGBT, que sea de color y que hable su mismo idioma, Y pues eso, me gusta mucho del proyecto que nos empeñamos mucho en dar una atención muy especializada. Queremos como cubrir muchos detalles que en un albergue regularmente no se cubren y, y eso no tener un trato mucho más digno hacia la comunidad. ¿Quieres contar un poquito más de los inicios, Chris? Les dejo de uh, Nicolasa has been working with Arcoiris uh, for quite some time, over two years, if uh, I'm not mistaken. Casa Arcoiris has been providing a safe space for the LGBTQ community, um, including mental health, uh, physical health, uh, among other activities, recreational as well. It provides uh, asylum, a safe space to, uh, to connect with other uh, people in the community uh, for those people looking for asylum in the border area. Thank you. Yeah, because because our um, beginnings are are from this time when there was such a big uh, such a big focus on asylum and so and just very large numbers of people seeking asylum at once. Um, our shelter tries to tries to look at things holistically in that sense. Um, so we while people are there uh, we try to do what we can to prepare people's asylum cases, and that is with the goal of minimizing the amount of time that they pass in detention after presenting for asylum. Um, and also but just meeting all the other needs, uh, such as mental health and physical health that, that we mentioned are, are super necessary to also make sure that people are safe, or as safe as they can be at least, while they're in detention and in the asylum process. Y bien, Chris nos menciona la importancia acerca de Casa Arcoiris para proveer seguridad, sobre todo, 
durante esta transición en la cual uh, las personas pues eh, se encuentran vulnerables. Eh, se hace a través de los programas que provee Casa Arcoiris eh, eh, y principalmente a través de la comunidad. Thank you. Did you have anything else to add, Chris? Um, no, we'll get to it in the next questions. Right on. All righty. Um, so I'll go on to the next question. Uh, what are your organizational needs right now? ¿Cuáles son las necesidades de la organización actualmente? Bueno, si quieres empiezo y ya. ¿Sigues, Chris? Uh, yo creo que ahorita vale. estamos queriendo mejorar mucho lo que es el sistema administrativo. Somos un equipo que se formó de base, es decir, las personas que estamos involucradas en este proyecto, todos, todas, todos estamos trabajando como voluntarios desde hace muchos años, nos conocemos desde hace muchos años, años voluntariando en espacios como Enclave Caracol. Yo me acerqué eh, gracias a, también a la colectiva con la que trabajo, que es la banda CLID, es una colectiva lésbica acá en Tijuana. Y fue como ir fusionando diferentes activistas en, en Tijuana que tenían este, la experiencia base, pero creo que de las necesidades que ahorita queremos mejorar mucho es esa, ¿no? La administrativa y la organizacional para poder dar como una profesionalización hacia el espacio. Casarcoidis is trying to better the administration within the organization as well as um, um, its uh, general function. Um, it is, uh, Casarcoidis has been uh, growing, and this is, I, I know this because I researched it as well, has been growing over the, uh, quite some time. And um, as it grows, the administration needs to grow. So. Yeah, um, I think our other organization needs have a lot to do with uh, with networking also. Um, just because you're talking about migration uh, many times across multiple countries, uh, to really be able to like follow through and connect people to the services that they need in each context just requires a lot of financial or international um, networking and organizing. So I also think that's one one area in which we have much room to grow. Thank you. Krishna menciona la importancia acerca de la de la conexión, de la necesidad de crear conexión en ambas fronteras y cómo este es un área que siempre se busca mejorar. All right. How has COVID-19 affected your program? ¿De qué manera? COVID uh, affected the program? I, I can answer that. Um, so there's been lots of changes as far as uh, migratory policy go um, since our since our beginnings. Um, but these have definitely been changing uh, even more rapidly with the spread of COVID-19. Um, the and to put an example, the wait time, um, well, originally there was no wait time, but in order to solicit asylum now, uh, there's a list in which people will put their names on, and then after a certain amount of time, they have the opportunity to 
correctly solicit asylum. Um, that list a year ago was about a month long. Um, and it is now, well, before COVID-19, it increased for six months. And, and now, um, during the pandemic, there is absolutely no access, virtually no access to asylum. Um, meaning that all the people who are here trying to seek humanitarian protection in the United States um, are stuck for, for the time being. We don't know how long it will be until there's access to asylum once again. Chris nos menciona que el, la situación actual con el virus ha afectado la temporalidad de la espera para los casos de asilo, la cual había, bueno, la espera para cruzar uh, anteriormente podía ser entre un mes, un poco más, y ahora eh, pues ha aumentado sin bien, hasta ocho meses o por tiempo indefinido, dado a la situación de salud. So Great, other challenges, you. other challenges with COVID-19 are, are just obviously those of quarantining, um, keeping people safe, um, trying to know, you know, like who, what, what does it look like for residents that want to be working um, when you also just have the health of so many different people in one space. El otro reto que nos menciona Chris es de mantener a las personas seguras durante este tiempo de espera, eh, dado a Great, thank you. Um, what is the hardest decision that your organization has had to make recently? Yo creo que de las decisiones más duras que hemos tenido este año y ha sido además de la problemática de cómo manejar todo lo del COVID, cómo dar la bienvenida a nueva gente, este, es también enfocarnos en apoyar al equipo y también conocer muy bien nuestras limitantes. ¿no? Es, es, es importante tener claro hasta qué límite podemos apoyar tanto a las personas migrantes como a nosotros mismos del equipo y este, pues trabajar en esa, en esa base de pues sí de conocer que no no vamos a poder como cubrir a lo mejor todo pero si sí nos estamos este preparando y esforzando para que en un futuro eh, pueda crecer el proyecto yeah, Nicolás tells us that um, one of the difficulties that they've been facing is um, receiving new people due to the current situation adapting to its limitations as well. Thank you. Um, and how did you um, become involved with Casa Arcoíris? ¿Cómo fue que te involucraste con Casa Arcoíris? Pues yo, como les platicaba, Estuve, he estado trabajando con una colectiva que se llama La Banda Clip. Cuando nos enteramos que venía la caravana organizada como LGBT, un punto de encuentro muy importante en Tijuana para la comunidad ha sido en Clave Caracol. Entonces nos acercamos al espacio para saber qué podríamos, en qué podemos apoyar. Y vimos que había esa necesidad, ¿no? Precisamente de un espacio seguro, no había un albergue 
que pudiera brindar un espacio donde la población LGBT se viviera su identidad como tal? Es decir, la mayoría de los albergues son religiosos y es donde ya se encontraban muchas trabas, tanto como no respetar su nombre de identidad elegida, este, pedirles que se vistieran el, al género que se les asignó al nacer y pues ya en conjunto con las compañeras de la banda y con más este, compañeras y compañeros de Clave Caracol, ya fue que contactamos a Cris, a Andrea y a otra gente que se empezó a involucrar en los albergues temporales y la verdad es que los albergues temporales funcionaron muy bien, pero yo hubo un momento en que ya pues su propio nombre lo dice, eran temporales, que todavía había gente que venía en camino y todavía había gente viviendo dentro de los albergues y esos ya se iban a cerrar. Entonces era como una necesidad urgente, ¿no? De hacer algo ya, pues organizarnos como comunidad LGBT también y sacar la, la cara y, y hacer algo. ¿Quieres agregar algo, Cris? Oh, perdón, Cristina, primero. Nicolás explains to us that when she arrived with the arrived with the caravan, the LGBTQ caravan, there was it was noticeable that there was a need for a safe space. Some of the other shelters were not necessarily LGBT friendly. They had a different different focus, and and it was apparent that there was a need for for a safe space, friendly space, but also LGBTQ. Friendly, she and among other people got together, organized, and pulled together a team that allowed casualty to be possible. Thanks. I I got involved with the organization also through Enclave Caracol. So that that's like a social center in downtown Tijuana. That opened up a few years ago and has hosted a bunch of different kind of community projects, often with a lot of involvement in the LGBT community. Um, when caravan migration was exploding in October 2018, uh, the first group to arrive to Tijuana was actually the LGBT contingent of asylum seekers, which was between 80 and 100 people. And these people had nowhere to go. They were very firm about staying in a group, um, and and really none of the shelters were able to either host any LGBT in a safe way or host a, a group at large. So this this LGBT caravan um, actually stayed in the building of Enclave Caracol for three days, which is not a shelter, but it's done a little bit of everything at this point. Um, but the, the people that were doing a lot of migrant support work um, came together to create a longer lasting project with a focus on LGBT migrants. Chris nos menciona justamente eh, esto, es decir que cuando llega la caravana es evidente la necesidad. Hay otros albergues que proveían, que no necesariamente eran albergues, pero que funcionaban como albergues temporalmente y después su capacidad se excedió y este y bueno y él junto con el equipo deciden organizarse justamente para satisfacer la necesidad la urgente necesidad que la caravana pues había traído a la a la región thank you 
And uh, how has it evolved since you started? ¿De qué manera ha evolucionado desde que se ha iniciado el proyecto? Well, like like I had said, um, we were kind of built out of a a community that was already working together in a lot of ways, um, and it's mostly been people that have that have known each other and worked together in some capacity. Um, but I think with that also comes out just recognizing that we shouldn't keep all of our work within our bubble, and we really have a lot of expansion to do in order to to network and to work with the community at large. Um, so I think this has been like a kind of a mixture of forming like a strong identity as a team, but also really trying to build something beyond just the organization itself and to try to try to facilitate movement, movement that's already been happening, but facilitate movement between many communities to um, to meet the needs of LGBT people whose lives are often at risk in other countries. Chris nos explica que el equipo ha intentado eh, pues crear un, un, una organización que, que vaya más allá, ¿no? que crezca, eh, que facilite el movimiento a través de otras organizaciones que de igual manera buscan este beneficio y que eh, facilite el crecimiento de, de Casa Arcoiris y, y lo que representa, crear un, una identidad eh, y presencia. Thank you. Hey. Um, so I uh, have another question for you. What are your goals for the next three to five years? ¿Cuáles son las metas en los próximos cinco años? Okay. Yo creo que de las metas más importantes sería conseguir un espacio propio. <laughs> eh, poder este, expandir como la, la, la capacidad de la casa. Y capacitar más al equipo, hacer redes binacionales donde podamos trabajar también con organizaciones en San Diego que puedan darle continuidad al apoyo porque muchas veces la gente una vez que sale de detención eh, nos vuelven a contactar como buscándonos des, uh, para saber cuál es el siguiente paso que tienen que dar allá, pero pues no, no tenemos como todavía esa red bien establecida de las organizaciones en San Diego. Y ese, yo creo que sería alguna de las metas. ¿Quieres agregar algunas? Sí, nos dice Nicolasa que, bueno, eh, entre las metas se encuentran crear lazos más fuertes eh, con la otra frontera, con Estados Unidos, en donde se pueda continuar y expandir el proyecto y de acuerdo a las necesidades de los grupos que, que, que buscan asilo. Eh, también menciona la necesidad de obtener un espacio con una mayor capacidad eh, para casa. Sí, nada más que lo dije en español. Ay, perdón, Casa Arcoiris is seeking uh, and hoping to obtain a space, uh, a larger space that can accommodate more people, as well as uh, um, strengthening the relationships with the other uh, side of the border to uh, better um, 
better um, fit to the needs of people in both sides of the border. Um, when people are um, have successfully uh, gone to the U.S., sometimes they try to seek more information. And if the relationship with both sides of the border were bettered, then that information and guidance can be uh, provided to the to the people they're seeking asylum. Yeah. yeah, I would say um, kind of from a, a perspective of, uh, in the macro and from a legal perspective, I, I would really like to see Tijuana earn a reputation uh, internationally as being a safe place for LGBT migrants and for having adequate services for that demographic. Um, just because I know it's, it's really hard for people on their journeys to the northern border of Mexico to really know where to go to make that decision of which border town to go to. Um, because the service, there, there are some services in some places, but every place also has its complications. So I would hope that, that Tijuana becomes more known um, for having quality services in the same space. Um, and then I would add on to that, I think um, we have a lot of work to do in networking to provide the services that, that LGBT migrants need, but I also think there's a lot of networking to do um, to really address the issue, the root of the issue. Um, and we, we are an organization of abolitionists. Uh, we firmly believe that we don't need a border to, uh, to keep anybody safe. Um, and I think there's a lot more coordination and networking to do among among these issues as well. Not just the services, but also the the big macro work, um, which we we're seeing happening right now in the United States in really big ways with conversations around police and around prisons. Um, and I think this the conversation around detention, asylum, refugee status, kind of. Uh, Intersecting with that, I think, is also going to be really key in the next years. Chris nos habla de la importancia de facilitar los servicios, los servicios que que se traen con las personas que solicitan asilo que llegan a Tijuana. Él habla acerca de la importancia de que estos servicios sean más prolíferos en la zona, que se puedan facilitar que Tijuana pueda ser conocida como una, un, pues un espacio en donde se puedan proveer estos servicios para aquellas personas que estén buscándolos. Uh, habla también acerca de cómo el, el clima, de la temática eh, que actualmente se vive con respecto a las autoridades, eh, pues uh, vaya a afectar eh, la visión eh, acerca de, de, de de qué manera las autoridades afectan eh, a este movimiento. Eh, Thank you. And uh, how are you sustaining yourself? De qué manera se sustenta Caso Arcoíris? Pues, bueno, Chris, tú que trabajas más con fondos, a lo mejor quieres responder eso. Vale, vale. Um, so we. We have um, kind of a lot of methods. Uh, like I said, we're very much from grassroots backgrounds. A lot of us have worked in different collectives and as volunteers. Um, 
and this is kind of a new a new thing for a lot of us to be in this world of more of nonprofits. But as far as sustaining the organization, it's definitely a mixture. So we have relationships with very large institutions, such as um, the UN and, and Mexican refugee groups. Um, but we also have pretty strong connections to just to grassroots organizations that have donated to us um, and, and a lot of crowdfunding as well. Uh, Within that, you know, people have thrown benefit events, they've sold t-shirts, they've done concerts, or sold their artwork, um, which I think are really beautiful examples of, of individuals or small communities doing something big to support us. Um, but it's also been uh, important for us to try to develop these relationships with larger institutions, especially when the issue of asylum in Tijuana is is getting so much international attention. Chris nos menciona que Casa Arcoiris se sustenta a través de donaciones tales de instituciones como la ONU, también y muy de manera muy importante a través de su de su comunidad donaciones a través de eventos que se que se organizan, venta de artesanía y otros eventos. Thank you. And what barriers are in your way? ¿Cuáles son algunas de las barreras en su camino? Mm, bueno, creo que de las barreras que, que tenemos más recientes son precisamente esta situación del COVID. Es decir, estar siempre uh, buscando nuevas maneras según el contexto, ¿no? El contexto que se vive en la frontera, como ustedes saben, es súper variable, las leyes cambian constantemente. No se sabe qué va a pasar de un mes a otro, no tenemos como la seguridad de saber cuánto realmente necesita esperar una persona aquí. Y, y creo que ese es uno de los de las luchas más, más intensas, porque ahora ya también pensamos en nuevas formas en que la gente pueda comenzar a hospedarse, es decir, que puedan como independizarse en lo que cruzan o así, pero es súper complicado porque implica muchos permisos para poder conseguir un trabajo, una renta. Entonces, yo creo que eso sería como las leyes que cambian muchísimo y el, la incertidumbre que vivimos en esta época casi todos. Nicolasa tells us how COVID-19 has affected uh, the political atmosphere and including laws that make uh, asylum more difficult as well as housing and job opportunities. Um, there's a constant uh, fluctuation uh, or changing environment legally wise uh, that makes, uh, makes it a challenge to keep up and um, cater to those uh, legal requests. Great, thank you. Um, and oh, go ahead, Chris. Please do. Um, I also, I think that um, that organizing in a context like the the border is really difficult and really complicates um, binational organizing, and uh, it's just it's it can be really surprising how difficult it is to um, develop working relationships with communities or organizations that are literally only 15 miles away, um, and I think. 
there's a lot of layers and a lot of factors as to why that why that happens, but it can um, it can sometimes lead to the work in Tijuana that is happening feel feel kind of invisible on in a certain scale. You know, granted, we've also had plenty of international attention at certain moments when it's kind of sensationalized. Um, but there are moments when it does feel really uh, unrecognized, some of the work that's going on here or undervalued. Um, but we're also, I mean, really grateful um, exactly for, for this award and for this opportunity to share the work that we're doing um, because it is it is a way to like lift up the work happening on this side of the border um, from, from LGBT folks, largely from Tijuana. So yeah, it's, it's beautiful and it, it presents a lot of opportunities for, for growth, but it, it really is hard to, to have a border in the middle of, of your organizing. Right. Nos platica acerca de la dificultad que eh, la frontera trae a, las, a querer organizar y coordinar um, eh, cualquier actividad de manera binacional con otras instituciones o organizaciones en, eh, en la frontera. Eh, parte del trabajo eh, pues no tiene la visibilidad ni el reconocimiento que, que, que se quisiera. Eh, esto dificulta también la, el, el trabajo. Eh, eh, pese a la importancia y a la, a la urgencia ¿no? de, de, de las necesidades de este lado de la frontera. Thank you. All right. Um, and any last words or messages of hope that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I would just like to repeat that I think, um, I mean, it's just a huge honor to be getting this award. Um, and it, I think for me, it gives me a lot of hope just that there, there is um, movement towards creating more international and binational solidarity um, in, in the San Diego Tijuana region. Um, and, and this has really like, this is more than just Tijuana and San Diego. This is, this is a global issue. This is, there are LGBT people who are forced to leave their homes all across the world. And they just, they're looking for a place where they'll be safe. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of a responsibility, but it's also, uh, uh, it gives me a sense of hope that the community here is, is working towards breaking down these barriers um, and providing support on a global level to LGBT people who are at risk. Chris nos habla de la gran esperanza que tiene al estar trabajando en esta frontera, particularmente en el lado de Tijuana, dado la necesidad. Él tiene esperanza en el efecto que esto tenga, dado la necesidad que hay acá, eh, a, las, a las relaciones que se, a, a, a cómo el proyecto pueda crecer de este lado, pero también cómo las relaciones de manera binacional se puedan desarrollar y crecer. Eh, siendo este un tema, pues no solo de frontera, como menciona, sino un tema, pues, global eh, en, en la comunidad LGBT. Pues a mí me gustaría agregar que es para mí importante de nuevo recalcar que proyectos como Casar Coiris eh, tienen que mantenerse vivos y que hay que tener como mucha fe y apoyar todo ese tipo de de espacios en los que consideramos 
lo, como mencionaba hace rato, los detalles, ¿no? Que a veces es importante sí dar hospedaje y comida, pero que también hay que dar como cierta personalización, tomando en cuenta las, los lugares de donde vienen las personas, los traumas que han pasado, hacia dónde van. Y pues que se acercaran a la casa, que se acercaran al proyecto para conocer más de ella y, y ver cómo podemos seguir tejiendo redes y mejorar como comunidad. Gracias. Nicolasa reminds us about the importance of keeping Casa Arcoiris alive and growing due to its uh, uh, the great need uh, that the community has in the, in the area, um, taking into consideration not only basic needs like housing and food, but also uh, mental health. Great, thank you very much. And I'm gonna check um, on the live comments here to see if there are any questions. Um, I don't think so, but we do have a lot of support. So thank you very much. I wanted to mention to, that you can donate to Casa Arcoiris at um, their GoFundMe, it's on the screen. Um, GoFundMe.com forward slash F forward slash Casa Arcoiris. And um, that concludes our interview tonight. So I want to thank you again, Chris, and thank you so much, Nicolasa, for your time. Um, and thank you, Cristina, for your help with translation. Um, thank you very much for joining us for our first Spirit of Stonewall series.